to the Power Hour on Verb Moto. What is going on, Verb Pod Network listeners? Have I got something for you right here. The Verb Moto edit contest is now live. All the content that we've grabbed from Star Racing Yamaha with Jordan Smith, Daxton Benick, Hayden Deegan, Eli Tomac, you name it. All the boys from over there. The interviews, riding footage, you name it. You slide it all together, this is your edit. Best edit is going to win some awesome prizes. And at the very least, going to allow you to see some unseen footage before and get those creative juices going. Go to the website, verbmoto.com forward slash verb edit contest, and you'll find everything and all the information you need right there. All right, now let's get to this pod right now. Welcome to a Verb Moto podcast. This is the Power Hour. I am your host, Brad Gephardt, and normally I'd be talking at you about the Gypsy 500, but the teams are pretty much already sold out. So instead, let's get straight into talking about Rev3D and Rev3D.com. The motocross world has collided with 3D printing technology thanks to Jordan Boswell and his team over at Rev3D. Rev3D delivers performance and durability in all of their products the bike as well as in your shop that can help you just get things done a little bit easier. Find out more information at rev3d.com. And now to my co-host, this is kind of a partnered co-host. There's no tiered hierarchy of uh, of knowledge here on the Power Hour. Let's go to Zach Heron. What's up, man? How are you? Uh, first of all, I'm liking the stash, the Fu Manchu. I'm feeling it. Yes. No, this is a... Uh, um... I was on a ski trip last weekend, and uh, yeah, I was the first to jump out of the hot tub. Boys were still uh, uh, getting the bubbles going, and I was like, you know what would be hilarious? Turning my my, my beard into a Fu Manchu. Um, so we 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 uh, ripped it down, and uh, I think it's uh, I think it's stank for the time being. Like, hey man, nothing sounds like more fun than some mustaches and dudes in hot tubs, man. It sounds like a great time. Let's not go there, but Aaron, I think Aaron Plessinger would probably be, uh, uh, be approving of my, uh, uh, my current wardrobe. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah, stoked and on that. You know what else Aaron would approve of? World Mini, baby. It's back. Yeah. It's better than ever. I think the trophies are bigger than ever. Uh, and you guys can sign up now. That's going to be taking place out at Mesquite MX. Uh, it's just an hour outside of Las Vegas there in Nevada. And it's going to be April 4th through the 7th. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm hitchhiking. I've got the, the hobo Joe stick with the hanky sack on the back. Um, I'm packed up and I'm figuring out a way out there, but, uh, you guys back all over the, the verb world can check it out on verbmoto.com and go ahead and get signed up. You saw how quickly Gypsy 500, uh, uh, filled up. So make sure you're signing up while you still can. And that is April 4th through 7th out at Mesquite and, uh, our big favorite B Rad will be out there. Won't you buddy? Showing them how it's done. No, I'll definitely be there, uh, whether they have me flagging, working the uh, start gate, or uh, possibly walking around, uh, handing out stickers as part of the vlog. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking forward to it. Hopefully, you'll be there as well, uh, manning the loudspeaker and uh, and doing the play-by-play address, um, which would be a huge addition to an event that's already fantastic. Like you said, uh, birdmoto.com. Uh, it's on the main banner that you can check out, uh, World Mini. That's kind of the marquee event for us aside from the Verb Classic. Uh, those sort of bookend the year for us. Uh, early in the, uh, the day, you just get some sight lapses early in the podcast. Let's get into some sight laps and talk about some, uh, things in the, in the news right now. Uh, brought to you by Rev3D. Uh, right off the hop, uh, this last weekend was the the retro race or the throwback race or the 50 year anniversary race. Um, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And uh, I, I think I'll just chime in right off the hop is that if if we're going to do a theme race, can we at least have the memo go out to everyone and have everyone participate? Because there are some privateer teams that like they hit dingers. Those things are hitting they're hitting the ball out of the park so damn wide. Uh, you'll never see that thing ever again. And then uh, you basically have the KTM Husky Gas Gas uh, contingent on the factory side that essentially ignore the event altogether. Yeah, as far as retro races in general, I can't can't stress how much I love them. Um, you know, I, I think uh, 
I think it's an awesome thing. I think it's cool to celebrate the history of the sport, not only not only just through the riders, but I mean, you know, everybody talks about the eras, the looks, the feels. I mean, I've got an old, uh, I think it's a 1985 Kawasaki jacket. It's all day glow green. Uh, we've got a vintage GNCC race or a, a throwback GNCC race as well. Uh, and I broke it out for that with like a, a 1991 Parts Unlimited hat, man. I was I was feeling good, all of which was before I was ever born. But uh, I completely agree. I think it when it comes down to it, you've got to you got to be all in or all out as a community. And, and I think if you've got a team, you know, whether it's whether it's any of those privateer teams who, like you said, they went above and beyond. I mean, a lot of those guys, it'd be it'd be in solitaire. Are we kidding me? Right. That's what I mean. And it's impressive not only to see them do the graphics, but they've got the gear combo going with it. The whole crew gets into it. Um, and then you've got these like the big factories, whether it's uh, Monster Energy Kawasaki, Red Bull KTM, Husky Gas Gas. Um, and, and it's from what I understand, I think it's some political red tape from some of the higher up companies. Although I did see some interesting points now where it's like we're at a point where some of the throwbacks like like Red Bull KTM was around over 20 years ago. Like it's yeah, like, you could like how, how, how does Red stuff. Bull KTM not come out with the silver front fenders? That's like, what I'm saying. And I mean, Thor's already got the full mask throwback gear to match that time and time period. Yeah. I mean, I think back to the, to the Cooper Webb, um, uh, Red Bull straight rhythm bike where he had the old hot wheels design and That's... they broke out that throwback Thor gear. And I mean, I came unglued. I was I was hitting up Hilton saying where and how do I get that? Um and so I think it's it was a big missed opportunity. Um not only not only just like, oh man, it looks cool, but I think those teams and those companies don't realize how much attraction that brings to the bikes. I mean, you see uh, and and it's crazy with Cowie doing a throwback design bike as well. And then they just fumble this one. Like, yeah, yeah, like Cowie, uh, nothing really going on there. Or then you had uh, the, like, it was obviously there is a difference in the graphics that Ken wears in comparison to the other guys on HEP. But, like, he had a different number font, which was kind of threw me off. And he was kind of combining, like, a 70s font with a 90s shroud look going on. Like, that was peculiar to me. And then, of course, like Fox literally does throwback gear last week, and this this week, both like all of their guys were just in normal stuff. Like I, I suppose uh, if you want to throw back anything, uh, like uh, Christian Craig had, I guess, some throwback powder blues that, uh, of course, this is at San, San Diego. Yeah, I think the that team was like now plays in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> like that makes I less think- sense. Um. But yeah, like I, I get that it was the San Diego Chargers, uh, but still that like I like I'm gonna, gonna throw a little bit of a flag on the play when it comes to that. And yeah, like some beautiful old huskies from back in the day. Like they there there's so much meat on the bone when it comes to that. Uh I think gas gas could probably like they could have po- poked some fun at themselves of how their bikes used to look like late nineties, early two thousands, like really just been like like, or even honestly, like if you're KTM with all the success you've had, like you might have evolved to the point where you can kind of laugh at yourself and like, just go full tapioca, like go like late nineties, purple and like soft orange, because when certain teams, when certain, like when they do the retro race and some people don't participate, it's like going to a Halloween party and someone like just dressed, comes dressed up like normal. And you're like, like, it just, let's be fun. Let's all participate. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's something where I'd be curious to hear from those riders because I can almost guarantee you that all the riders would like to be a part of it as well. I mean, you can't tell me. I mean, even you look at Cincerello, like he was he was trying to be a part of it off track just with his get up and with the sunglasses and everything like that. Yeah. So those guys are, are desperate. It's so funny. We as a sport, we talk about we, we're craving personalities and we're craving, you know, these these riders to actually, you know, give us some personality and give us some emotion. And then when we have these, these cool ideas and, and I mean, I think a, I think a throwback race is one of those ones where it'll never really get old. I think you can get more organized with it, whether you want to go 90 specific or whether you want to do, you know, however you want to play it. But it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's a, it's a missed opportunity for any of the teams that decide to not take part of it because it's something where I know, I think it breaks up the monotony of the day to day 
for guys like you and me, where we're looking at this stuff day in and day out. I've seen a, a pro Kawasaki now at this point, you know, a thousand times just this year. But then, oh, man, you throw a different style on, you throw a different style of graphics on. Now you've got a whole different bike, um, and it just it kind of breaks up the monotony of the sport sometimes. Yeah, no, I would be all on board for for a 90s night or a 70s night or whichever like that. I, as long as everyone's all on board for it, um, I think it'd be really, really well received. Also, um, San Diego, always known as the military appreciation uh, race, which I thought it was actually quite funny. One of the companies that we work with here at Verb, uh, RXR Protect, they came out with an ad on Facebook uh, celebrating the, like this week's, be, be, this week being the, uh, like San Diego being the military appreciation night. Apparently they didn't get the email thread that it was a throwback night instead of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Arlington is the, the military appreciation race uh, as they will be, I think they're throwing it to, I think it's the air force. If I'm not mistaken is usually, um, usually like the Naval armed forces is basically the main focus for San Diego being of course a hub for a lot of, uh, of your nation's uh, uh nautical uh america yeah basically yeah 100 well you know, like canada apparently has some cool shit too i was uh, actually had a really long conversation with uh when i was heading down to shoals i was at a three-hour layover in uh in atlanta and and chatted with a guy who'd spent uh 10 years on a u.s uh marine sub wow yeah no he was, he's uh he's a 19-year vet thanked him for his service um checking out some more site laps here seeing the lay of the land aaron plessinger AP7 gets his very first 450 win in the conditions that, like, it, as much as it, like, he can absolutely get it done on the hard pack, it's almost like it's, it's serendipitous and it's almost, it's just done right when a guy who's known to sort of rise to the occasion in, in conditions just like this does exactly that on one of the most challenging, rutted, just messy tracks you, like, but it was still raceable. That's what I loved. It was still raceable. He was able to go out there, get himself a good start, uh, had to make a pass for the lead. The first time we've seen a pass for the lead in Monster Energy Supercross all season long. He makes that happen and, and races all the way to the very end. Uh, what did you think of, uh, of AP's win? Well, I think right off the bat, you you hit the point that I wanted to focus on. I, I, we, I know we've talked about it before as far as not wanting to have the asterisk beside the win. And I think... These conditions were were just perfect for Aaron. Like you said, the track was was actually extremely raceful, and, and my hats off to the entire crew out there because I I saw some videos from in person, and it was when it was raining, it was raining hard out there yeah. for a while. And so um, they did they did really really well with the conditions that they were dealt. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I think we're so accustomed to seeing these pro riders, two fifty and four fifty. They they send everything out on the track. And it's it's usually maybe one, one maybe two jumps on the track that a four fifty guys doing. You know, we saw Jet do that crazy jump before a one, and it's like that was going to be the one jump that some of those guys weren't doing. But everything else is kind of we know who's doing what. You can hit the inside of corners, and as long as nothing crazy happens, you're still going to hit the triple. Whereas yeah. these conditions, like you said, it was still raceable. All of it, you know, was still intense. There was still high speed, but man, if you didn't hit that corner right, if you didn't get your drive correct, you weren't going to be able to make it across that whole triple. And maybe if you did, you had to send it a little front end high. But you know, it, it really kind of separated the men from the boys out there, and who was willing to send it a little bit. Um, and those conditions, I think the thing about Aaron Plessinger was he just looked so loose. It's just he's able to find this flow in those conditions. And I mean, you know, whether you want to say it's got to do with his off-road background, obviously we saw his dad there, Scott, in the in the background after his win, giving him a big hug. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those conditions growing up, they've got to play play a role in. You know, it's I'm sure he does a lot of training there in Florida. He does training in California. Very different, you know, soil complexities and stuff like that. But, man, he grew up in conditions like that where it's it's rough it's rutted like crazy and i don't mean rutted as in long ruts going in one direction i mean zigzagging all over the place and um it takes a certain kind of rider to be able to take that out of your mind and and kind of flow and take what the track gives you um and and yeah i think you showed 
why Aaron Plessinger is a legit threat, not only on days like what we saw, but any given day. I think he's got the potential. Um, I've seen a lot of talk about the the feelings underneath the KTM truck between, you know, who's the number one and who's the number two. And, and without a doubt, there's a focus on Chase being the former champion. But I don't think anybody can look at Aaron Plessinger. I mean, he's got the red plate now, but I don't think anybody – that that is serious could look at Aaron Plessinger and, and say that he doesn't still have the potential to go out there and do this continuously. So for me, I am beyond stoked. I, I don't know Aaron personally, but he's got to be up there top three favorite. I know I picked him on the other episode for the one teammate I'd like to have. So for my, for my hypothetical teammate, man, I'm pumped up. I have never seen so many riders stop after a race to congratulate the winner. I mean, there was a line going all the way back to Jet getting slapped by Anderson there because people wanted to stop and congrats AP while he was doing his dance. So um, I think that speaks a lot about not only who the guy is on track, but who he is once he takes the helmet off. Yeah, and I was waiting for him to break out the sprinkler or maybe dive into a mud puddle, something along those lines. Uh, yeah, he was he was busting a groove. And people forget, this is a 250 champion. Uh, he, he won. Uh, he ran the table. I believe it was the 2018 17? I want to say that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either one of those two years, he won outdoors and in very, very dominant, uh, had his way with, uh, with both series. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was great to see. And honestly, I, th- I think that's going to get, put some wind in his sails to, uh, to grab some more. Uh, people forget like the last time he was leading tip to tail, almost, uh, like kind of threw it away, obviously at the very end. That was Detroit. That's a dome. That's as dry, as slick as, uh, as you can possibly find for a 450 supercross. Uh, and he was doing just fine then. So, uh, we've got ourselves another winner. Um, and also that's three winners, uh, three winners in three races as far as the 450 class. Uh, in fact, both classes, uh, have had, have yet to have a repeat guy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with Nate Thrasher getting it done in the 250 class. That kind of came out of left field completely. You touched on it. We got, we can't get through the site laps without, uh, taking a peek at, uh, some extracurricular activities, uh, between, uh, young Jetson Lawrence and, uh, and Jason Anderson. Um, obviously this was, this, this was some, it was an incident that was started on the track and it ended up at the, the, the finish line straight away there, uh, after the finish line. Jet calls him over, uh, had some things to say to, to Jason Anderson. Clearly Jason didn't like it. And then I think where it sort of all went wrong there is Jason gets to kind of goes to kind of like leave the situation and, and Jet goes ahead and grabs the, fa- the the chin bar. And like, I've only been in this situation a couple of times with someone getting in my face. Like as soon as there's physical connection, especially when it comes to the chin bar, cause that's a pretty uh, vulnerable spot for guys. Like you don't have a lot of leverage there. Uh, I think that's just, you just saw Jason Anderson's wires cross. And he saw red, and um, what we saw then was that was man strength. He grabbed him by the front of the the chin bar, and he ripped him down. Um, and that that's uh, I think that might have I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen Jason or Jet Lawrence's eyes so wide. Uh, I think he may may have in that moment realized that this is probably more publicized than it should be. Um, and honestly, it's probably getting more press than than it really deserves because it's just two guys kind of. Uh, having a fuck you match after a race, but yeah, what were your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, in my in my estimation, like it's it's a it's a young racer trying establishing himself and having a bit of a problem with it, and then also a vet that's looking for a little bit more respect. Yeah, I, I think uh, you've got to you got to walk a, a tightrope when you're talking about this because I, I do obviously we've seen clips of it from every different angle a thousand times. And and motocross fans and supercross fans, I do feel like have a tendency to every once in a while we want a little WWE action, baby. You know, we want some we want some drama with the gate drop. And whether it's intentional or not, you know, this is exactly what this is going to give us. You take somebody first of all, you got to look at who these guys are before this. All right, Jet Lawrence, he's got to be on it on a high, right? Physically, emotionally, mentally, the kid is. He's doing everything that people said couldn't be done. And, He's a 450 and I, rookie that has a VIP experience, dude. Like the the guy, exactly. he is riding a wave that probably hasn't been seen since James Stewart entered the club. And, and that's what I mean is is you've got to think about. We all talk about how mental this sport is, how how much these guys are in their own heads, and there's a certain confidence and a bravado that comes with that. And and so 
I would be curious, and I'm sure it'll never happen, but I would be curious to hear what Jet's initial reaction was. Now, you take somebody like Jason, he's rather quiet. Uh, obviously, he kind of does his he does his thing, his team fried group. He doesn't like being necessarily directly in the spotlight. He's also somebody um, that we know is not afraid to hold a grudge. He's not necessarily the biggest fan of certain media personnel. He's not the biggest fan of certain writers. And so um, it's an interesting target right off the bat, just looking at the two individuals. Now, you take a race like that. First of all, the conditions are absolutely insane. These guys are probably pretty established as far as where they are following a Supercross race. But in conditions like that, it was it was just chaotic, even for those guys. Not to mention, people people I feel like seem to forget that you're in a war out there. Like you're in a battle, and and it's it's money, it's pride, it's it's everything for these people because it is their entire life. And and I think any even any amateur racer that really truly cares about what they do and tries hard to do well, um, if you don't do well or you you know, get uh, approached by another rider immediately following the race. I've never approached it calm. Let me put it like that. I'm not yeah. calm. My rate's through the roof. I'm either pissed off or I'm about to throw up because I've been trying so hard to, to, to race. And then for somebody to come and start yapping is one thing. I think you, you, you said it perfectly. I think the game entirely changed there was a lot of you know up in each other's faces pointing and this that and the other thing and i'm i'm all about that i love the emotion i think we need it as a sport but jason is the kind of guy where i don't think jason was looking to get physical i don't think jason was looking for that to go any further than a hey i don't agree with what you're saying but whatever and you see his body language he goes to turn and and like you said somebody grabs your helmet the game's just changed you you start messing with somebody's head, like you said, you don't have the leverage to do it. And quite honestly, um, I think you know, we should have a whole separate video on if you're going to grab somebody's helmet, here's what you should do. Because just holding on to it like that isn't it. Jason Anderson, however, showed you exactly how to make the most of your hand placement. And I, I mean... Man, man, he, he put him on a master class. That's what comes. I mean. Yeah, man yeah. strength is real. And you, you saw a guy who was, who was probably pissed off and was probably yelling at about a seven immediately flipped to a 10. And I, I would, I'm sure it was a listen here, you know, let me tell you something because if yeah. Jason really snapped and just completely lost his mind, he'd have, he'd have taken jet over and off that bike. Oh, but really? yeah. he was very 31 years old. That's what I mean. A lot of people say it was out of line, but I think he was calm, cool, and collected. He very clearly got his attention, let him know, hey, you aren't quite as in control of this thing as you think you are. And then, you know, Jet Jet's still talking. He's still chirping when Anderson's getting ready to leave. But I think Anderson made it very clear he was willing to go as far as it needed to go. Um, and one of my favorite parts of the entire initial clip is, is like they show it, and as they're panning away, you just see J-Bone sprinting from the side of the track over toward him. Albrecht is just running right yeah. after him. So I knew a fine was coming. I knew something was going to be done with it. And I think that's the other side of it is it's um, disagreements happen, high emotions happen after the race. But I think for it to happen like that, publicly out like that, I do – I haven't seen anything as far as the actual racing goes to where I feel that was justified. Hey, you want to have a, a difference? You want to let me know you're not happy? Meet me over in the tunnel. But besides that, I just didn't think it was necessary. So I'm I'm full Jason Anderson on this one. I think it's a, a little bit of a reality check. I like Jet, and I I don't think that this discourages him. But I do think it lets him know, hey, you are you are in the men's class. Uh, these guys are a whole different breed. And um, what I'm curious to see is is the relationship between the 21 and the 18 moving forward. Obviously, we saw the Anderson Barsha thing. And and that got to a point where it was almost annoying, where it was like, guys, can you just be near each other without wrecking one another? Like, yeah. as somebody that likes both riders. And so I hope it's not something like that. I do hope – I hope it fires Anderson up. I like to see Anderson on the gas. He's got a good thing going right now. And so I hope it keeps him, you know, fired up and ready to go. Um, And then, yeah, I'm curious. I, I'm curious to see how Jet's taking it. I'm sure uh, his team's talking to him about it and the family and – uh you know, ho hopefully, you know, take what you will about the apology. I'm not even going to try to read too much into that because 
I don't know what he was getting at with that, but uh, who knows? We might see Anderson in the VIP experience next weekend before before the night show starts. So, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, maybe he'll be uh, you doing a photo op with uh, with the new mascot over at the Honda Rig. Um, yeah, honestly, all I, like my last thing I'll say about it is I think that uh, yeah, I think neither one of their like cooler heads did not prevail in this situation. Um, if they had to go about it differently, I think both guys might handle the whole thing differently. Um, and I'll, I'll just say this. I liked, but one thing I will say, I, I like the fire from both of them. I think I like the competitiveness and that clearly this, this whole thing means a lot to both those guys. Let's move straight on to the verb line. This doesn't have a, a sponsor yet because this is only episode three. So if anyone has some ideas for who might want to sponsor the verb line, um, that's a basically a Q and a segment that, uh, we were sent, uh, over 15 questions for this. And, uh, I whittled it down to the top three. Um, we might have to expand this, but we are trying to keep this to a power hour. It's not a power two or three hour podcast. We could probably just do that on just Q and a alone, but, uh, you want to dive into some questions there, Zach? Let's do it. All right. Straight out of Dallas, Texas. We got Doug Masterson. He goes for Zach. Who of the current 250 class, and I think I knew where he was going with this because I think you probably wouldn't have went straight to AP, but who is uh, of your current 250 class would best be served uh, to race a GNCC? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, let me think here. Anybody got long legs to paddle through the mud? For some reason, I I, I want to say Kitchen. I feel like he's done well in some of these conditions. And I want to say he did well in some pretty treacherous conditions in, um, at Loretta's, like, like kind of when he first popped onto the scene. Um, but yeah, that's what I was about to say. I mean, physical stature, I definitely think helps. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say kitchen just because I feel like he does well. I, I feel like he kind of had a little bit of that similar looseness in those conditions. Um, but, uh, I mean, besides that, Zach Osborne. So we'll, we'll, Fair we'll enough. Go. All right. That's a cheap uh, answer. So. The question wasn't posed to me, but I'll go with the man-child uh, Garrett Marchbanks. Because, oh, that's not a bad idea either. Yeah. Yeah, he's already got the beard. Um, he, Yeah, I think he, he would fit in with the crew more than anybody. And, yeah, uh, yeah the physical stature of that young man, um, I think you could see him in an XC2. Uh, probably be leading the way on some of those flatter sections. I don't know what his skills are like when he gets into the woods, but um, either way. All right, question for me. Uh, ben Richards out of Tempe, Arizona. We used to race in Tempe back in the day in the 90s uh, when they had uh, Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, for Brad, who is the next Canadian kid going to make some noise in the AMA Racing Series? Well, you're going to actually get a look at them this weekend. Uh, not only is this weekend a Triple Crown, they're also going to shoehorn in some Futures. Um, so Futures will be a part of the uh, the schedule for this weekend. And if I'm not mistaken, that includes none other than Ryder McNabb, who is, who is now a two-time uh, Canadian National 250 champion. Um, he's a local to Manitoba. I've, I grew up uh, announcing this kid race uh, 50s, 60s, 85s, and he's been about as fast. He's been faster than me ever since he was on those 65s. Okay. Um, but uh, maybe 85s. I give myself a little bit of credit. Uh, I think he's he's been he's been faster than me uh, since he was on 80s. But anyway, uh, yeah, he is a kid to keep on your radar. Uh, Ryder McNabb. He's riding for the AEO uh, KTM team. Uh, he's looking good. Uh, he's been on KTM's for for a number of years now. Uh, his two championships, however. Actually, wait. He won one championship on uh, on on Hondas, and then he backed it up this this last year with uh, on a KTM. So yeah, he can get it done on any manufacturer, and uh, yeah, he would be the guy to watch. Moving on to our third question, we have Allison Edwards. Uh, I did not know we had female listeners, and I did not know that they ask questions, but they do apparently. Out of Rochester, New York, and that's impre- it's important to say New York, not Rochester, Minnesota which is just a stone throws from uh, Millville, which is, I think, if you're looking for a place to run into some professional racers, you want to get check yourself into a hotel in Rochester because uh, that's maybe one of the only places around there that has half-decent hotels. Um, Allison asks for Zach, what is an underrated bike skill that pros have that your average Joe just do not have? And then she also said thanks for the comments or the content. So thanks, Allison. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the for the questions from all of these guys. And uh, I think there's first of all, that's a, that's a great question because there's a lot of different answers that you could go with. Um, I, I mean, right off the top of the bat, um, just the knowledge of the bike and what the bike does is is the biggest thing for me. Even um, you know, I, I definitely am not a pro rider or anything like that. But something I've always struggled with is quote unquote testing. Um, you know, it's very difficult for me to feel a lot of differences in the bike, whether I'm talking suspension. Uh, the, honestly, it blows my mind how grand of changes I can make on the bike. And, and I have absolutely no idea when I'm out on the track. Whereas these guys are, they're like, they're surgical. They're so accustomed and they know exactly how the bike is supposed to react. Um, so I would say the bike knowledge is probably one of the biggest ones. Um, but the second one, Obviously, your average Joes don't have as much time to test. So the reason I'm going to give a second one is because this is something that I think anybody can improve on. Um, if you go and you watch these pro riders, indoors, outdoors, whatever, they are using every square inch of the track. And and that is something that I think you see all too many times on the local level is these riders, they find one good line, maybe two good lines, and that is what they're going to go with the rest yeah. of the day. When you see somebody that like, line as quick, as quickly as possible. Exactly. That is it. And that is where I'll be the rest of the day. And, and somebody, uh, Cooper Webb comes to mind. He's a perfect example. Not only is he incredible at using every inch of the track. I mean, these guys are, are clipping the track markers coming off the of jump faces, but you'll see Cooper. He changes his lines throughout the, the course of a race because he's, he's understanding that track is ever developing. So many times, you know, you sit there and think, Oh, how's the track? And then you get on the gate and you just think the track is like that, but the track is an ever changing thing. And so being able to look at the track for what it is at the moment and then being able to learn how it's going to change as your race develops and then adjusting those lines um, is crucial, especially if you're an, an amateur rider trying to go somewhere with longer races, obviously, such as Loretta Lens, where you're going to be out there long enough to where you could actually see a benefit by changing your lines between the start and the end of the race. Certainly. No, I, I think you're totally right. And I think actually one of the things that sort of rears its ugly head when you have guys that some guys like really switch things up and some guys don't is guys who are essentially running into the back of other guys. Uh, when you got a guy like Cooper Webb, who will turn down early in a corner because like every other rut is telling you that they're going to rip around the outside where he'll come out in, like come in wide and then cut across all those ruts to kind of create a race line. That's not currently there. Like these tires are very capable. The bikes are very capable. They they're not like kind of handcuffed to these ruts and these lines. They can sort of create their own thing. And uh, yeah, that can create some miscommunication coming in and out of these corners. Um, Let's uh, touch on just the race that was San Diego's in the rearview mirror. Um, that's round three. Uh, believe it or not, after this weekend in uh, Anaheim two, 250 class will be halfway done, which is like blows my mind. Think, like that, that series will be halfway f completed. Um, your current points leader. And if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't been off the podium yet. His average finish right now is a second, uh, which tells me that he's been right around that, uh, that, podium every single time so far jordan smith and uh let's be honest the white uh the white star bikes they were looking great they didn't like thor kind of maybe like kind of fumble on the play as far as the the throwback year although um yeah they like what they could have thrown back to who knows like i don't think the 1993 stuff was like sick so uh like although they could have just like rolled out some some of that old uh, barbware stuff like the the bar, the bad boys like they could have just like they just had that pink throwback gear like a year or two ago like I wish they could have I mean I know they don't want to use older models AP like, wore his gear from Detroit Yeah and isn't that ironic that's a whole other thing that was something I, I had think written. that was planned Yeah I was like man talk about like good mojo if he's not wearing that same stuff next weekend He's missing out on something because the the, uh, the superstitious in me would would be taken over at that point. Oh, if it's RC, he's wearing that stuff until he retires. Remember when RC ran orange for like a decade? The guys at Fox must have just been pulling their hair out. Um, they say, like, "I'm going to wear orange again." Oh, great, thanks, Rick. Um, but uh, like, sick. 
Um, Jordan Smith, he rounds out your podium. Uh, but I think honestly, the real story from this last weekend, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, which I probably am, is March Banks with, with a, with a second. He was strong the entire weekend. Uh, I gotta think that he cultivated some of those, uh, rut mastering skills when he was racing the RMX series, which does, uh, race at Mesquite MX, by the way. Uh, and then the resurgence of Nate Thrasher. And like, is it not just such a Nate Thrasher thing? To have like two of the most forgettable rounds to start off the series. He's basically, I wouldn't say mathematically eliminated, but he's still not top 10 in points, but he's also a race winner on the year. Yeah, I don't want to say, and uh, I, I don't want to seem rude when I say this, but Nate Thrasher is either a zero or a hero. And it's like, I swear the kid is either, I, I mean, I would genuinely be curious to know. I'm just a zero. How many times? Yeah, exactly. It's coming from just a zero over here. I guess it's <laughs> too bad. But uh it, it seems like if he's on the podium, he's won. Like, like the guy just has these flashes, and you're like, man, if this kid can put it together on a week to week basis, it's. I, I mean, it's it's genuinely going to be scary to see what he can do. But that's just it. If he can put it together week after week, because like we've seen. You have those bad races. Unfortunately, this year those bad races were early in the season, and now he's digging himself out of a hole. And and in in a field like this, as deep as it is, that's extremely hard to do. Um, but I do think if he can continue to show that he's got these you know these flashes and continue to show that he's worth investing in, um, I, I'm sure he starts to kind of stabilize out as far as the results go. Um, and he's somebody that I could see being a good 450 rider. I just like the way his style is. I think it'll suit the 450 well um but yeah absolutely i mean i i've got to give got to give props to it because um there is that takes a lot to be able to get kicked down two two seasons or two weekends in a row and to pull yourself back up and say hey i'm still in this and uh so yeah that that's awesome for thrasher um i think that's awesome for his teammate jordan to still be in the points lead as well jordan's another one who's who's had a lot of struggles with consistency and with injuries and so that's that's my big thing with, with Jordan is, Hey man, let's, I would love, I would rather see Jordan finish second in the series and finish the season than to see him, you know, absolutely dominating and then crash with a couple of rounds to go. So yeah. for me, I just, I, I want to see Jordan healthy. I want to see him. I want to see him outside. I think he's got uh, some potential to throw some wrenches in the plans outside as well. And so uh yeah, good things going on right now for the star star team. Um, I agree. The bikes look sick. The gear. I'm glad that they weren't wearing the blue that they were wearing on media day. Mm. It did not match the bike setup at all. And I was like, there's no way they're wearing that blue on those bikes. So I was glad to see the black and white. If you weren't going to do a throwback design, that clean black and white was probably the best you could do. So I, I understand where they were coming from. Uh, shout out to, uh, shout out to FXR for maybe my favorite gear that they've ever released. With Garrett Marchbanks, that that stuff wasn't bad whatsoever, um, and uh, a nice gradient look from uh, FTA on Philip Nicoletti, who ends up twenty second for the second time this uh, this series, um, collecting zero points on both those races. He's got to be feeling great about how the start of his season has gone. Uh, I believe it was a uh, a transmission issue that ended up having him retire early. Uh, feel for the guy, honestly, he puts in so much work. Um, into the series in order to get himself where he's at. And I did do some quick research while you were answering or giving your thoughts on Nate Thrasher. He now has, um, five wins, uh, into his career in each of the last three seasons. He had, uh, two wins in 21, one win in 22, and another win in 23. So that, uh, with this last weekend is five. And then he also has a total of three, uh, uh, second place finishes and as and has never finished third. So he now has more wins than he has any other podium position, um, which is both amazing and ridiculous all at the same time. Yeah, it's like I said, the the guy, when he's on, you better look out because it doesn't seem to matter what gets thrown in front of him. He's coming to the front. But, man, when he's having a bad day, it is it is a, a truly bad day. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, hopefully – uh, we keep seeing the first, but hopefully we see some thirds and some more seconds and stuff like that because um, ultimately that's what makes the championships. That's what's got you holding number one plane at the end of the season. So um, for Thrasher, just keep thrashing on and uh, try not to thrash yourself out, if you know what I mean. Last three guys that we need a little bit of conversation about before we get rid of the 250 class. 
Smoking Joe Shimoda, another race off of the podium, but a step in the right direction. He ends up fourth. I believe that's the second fourth place finish that he's uh, accrued uh, coming all the way back. Um, he and Levi Kitchen had a knockdown, almost knockdown, drag out war uh, after Levi was actually challenging for the lead. He was looked like looked like he was actually moving forward, but ended up going down at kind of a really bad spot because his bike was sort of pointed up. Uh, and he's not exactly the largest individual to sort of quickly just jump on that thing and get going. That was a bummer. And then uh, sitting in a podium position, if not for him crashing, Jordan Smith would not have been on the podium, is uh, RJ Hampshire going down late. And uh, that was the difference on, uh, yeah, that looked like a pretty tricky double uh, heading back towards the mechanics area. His mechanic must have been uh, throwing the pit board or at least uh, drawing a sad face after that. What are your th- thoughts on those three? Shimoda, I agree. I think the momentum is starting to turn. Um, I, I do, I, I think he's got a sort of a sense of urgency. I think it's, it's not the Shimoda that we wanted to see. I don't think it's the one that the team wanted to see. I'm not sure there's stuff going on behind the scenes that I'm not aware of as far as comfort on the bike or what, but, um, you know, I don't think a fourth place for Joe Shimoda should be looked at as a good result, you know, and I'm not saying that it isn't at the moment. But I think Joe is a caliber of rider where, you know, if he's off the box, he's probably not stoked about it. So um, I, I know those guys are going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to keep doing work. Um, hopefully a little more consistent conditions moving forward for the next little bit. Um, and I think you'll start to see some difference in riders performances and stuff like that go. I, I will say, you know, as much as I enjoy seeing, somebody like March Banks do well. I mean, like I said, it's a local team. I, I And I hope that he is able to do it in dry, just like he has been able to do in the wetter conditions. Um, but as things start to get more of a quote-unquote normal Supercross conditions, I, I think you'll see Shimoda do better. Um, man, RJ is it's a heartbreaker. I mean, the guy rides with so much heart, and you can see it on the TV screen. Like, like he's one of the only guys where – you can you can literally be watching the race in a bar and you can tell like man that guy wants it so bad because he's just the feet start coming off the the I mean he's throwing all over the place but the arm is just locked wide open and so um you know I'm glad he didn't get hurt I'm glad he didn't throw a whole season away I'm frustrated that he's still he's just a wild child man he just he sends it and it's like that's great but it it too often the time ends up with him on the ground. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's tough for him, but, uh, all in all, I'm glad he's healthy. Um, and then kitchen, that was your third, right? Yeah. 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 It, it's, it, it, it seemed like a, uh, a Levi kitchen kind of night. Like it seemed like the one where he was going to move through right. and get it done for uh PC, but, uh, yeah, a slip, uh, honestly, look, like he's got some wheel spin coming out of that corner. And honestly, it was the exact same thing that happened to, uh, to Ken Roxon. Well, and and I think uh, hopefully everybody over there at PCs walking around ladders. Nobody's broken mirrors. We've had one rider down already from the team. Right. The PC curse rumors are already starting. So uh, my biggest thing is like, hey man, if you go down, I just wanted to get up in one piece. Like you said, it was a it was a tricky it was a tricky spot to fall in, but then like trying to get out of that spot in like suction cup mud also, I think made a bad situation worse. So I'm sure he's not probably stoked about the night, but I don't think you can really take too, too much away from him. I think he's he had second good, points. Yeah. Had a good solid ride in. He's still in the fight. Um, so comes out swinging for, for the first triple crown. Yeah. He's, uh, he's only eight points back heading into, and yeah, the, the race that he won last year was a triple crown. Uh, so maybe that would be in some more extra wind in his sails. Uh, smoking Joe Shimoda right now. Uh, is that 21 points down after three rounds? Like he honestly, at this point, he needs help. Like, like he, he, I don't like, I don't think you're making up that much points over the next five rounds by just chipping away. Uh, he needs the rest of those guys to take points away from each other. Uh, certainly not how he wanted to start the season, but um, maybe we're seeing a little bit of signs of life. Um, and hopefully we get a dry track this weekend in Anaheim too. Moving over to the, the 450 class, we talked about Aaron Plessinger's awesome win at nauseum. 
congratulations to him. That's absolutely sick. Um, he is now your points leader, all but albeit by a very slim margin, and somewhat thanks to the fact that uh, um, you had Chase Sexton, who was your points leader coming in, not have the best of nights. He ends up was that the seventh place position? You have eighth. The eighth from uh from Chase. That's not gonna get her that's not gonna get her done. Um bummer to see how that would work out for, for Chase. But yeah, you got uh Plessinger with the win. He's got a small lead over both him or both Chase and Jet. Uh give me some thoughts on the four fifty class. I, I know we already kind of talked about it a little bit. Anyone kind of jump off the page at you that's doing awesome slash guys who are really off the pace? Like I would I was once again really impressed with Dylan Ferrandis. Yes. He has, he has been a quiet. Sneaky good. Yeah. I mean, like just a slide under the radar. I, I mean, I, I, I seriously, I have been impressed with, with the team. I've been impressed with his rides. Um, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't even want to talk about it too much because I think this whole under the radar thing is just, just going. Keep it through. going. Um, that's all I got to say about that. But, uh, I know other riders, man, I think Cooper Webb needs a big pat on the back. Those were tough conditions. He's another guy that's not, um, if you want to talk about physical stature, he's definitely not the tallest, probably not able to dab a foot nearly as easy as an AP or an AC. Um, and so I think it was great conditions for him, man. He really came to life there at the end of the race. Um, I, I'll go ahead and say, I don't think Chase did anything intentional. Whether we're going to cover that or not, yeah, I know some no, people, go for it. You know, some people have got different uh, different opinions on it, but I've watched the replay. I think it was just one of those things, and quite honestly, I think Cooper Webb probably feels the same way because to me, Cooper is the type of guy where if he genuinely felt like he got screwed with, he'd have probably said a little more than that on the microphone. So a couple of um, times, I bet. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I, I think all in all, it was unfortunate, and I do think. Chase is probably sitting there going, oh, great, as much as anybody else. But uh, uh, nonetheless, I, I think that was a great ride for Coop, and I think uh, completely uninterrupted, I think that thing would have come down to the line. I don't think he would have got him, but I think it would have come down to the line. And so, uh, yeah, good good ride for him. Besides that, man, no, nothing really impressed me. Like, it's it's been, um, you know, Tomac had a tough night. Uh, AC had a tough night. Um, and then obviously like you've got chase where same thing, it was just, it just didn't seem to, didn't seem like they could get it together and get into a rhythm. And, and so it just seemed like for, for a lot of those guys, once one thing went wrong, they, the, the whole race went down the drain. So, um, like I said, as much as I enjoy some, some crazy conditions and some different styles of racing, I, I am excited to get back to some good old normal conditions, sunny skies or a dome, you know, let's get everything covered up and, you know, have, let's have see these guys make it look easy. We've seen them make it look hard a couple of times or like they, they feel it's, it's like almost like a human element, uh, injecting those types of, ter- uh, conditions because they, they like, they're not perfect, right? They can't just like hit every line and this, that, and anything. And the, um, yeah, it, it's almost good to see, but yeah, you're right. I want to see. Ken Roxon battle with Eli Tomac and Sexton and Lawrence Plessinger. I want all those guys to be just great training through. And, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I'll, I'll leave to say this is, uh, first of all, I, I'd love to see, uh, Justin Barsha up on the podium. Uh, those are the conditions that you absolutely think he would excel in. And it seems to be that he's now got a clean bill of health and that he'll be more in the mix. Um, but I just, I, uh, send in some thoughts and prayers to the Husky rig. Because, uh, yeah, it's a tough go for, uh, for the boys in white right now. Um, the gear looked good. Uh, like I said, the San Diego Chargers, uh, gear looked good on Christian, but, uh, he hasn't had a weekend to write home about yet. Um, but lucky for him, they have, we have 14 more rounds to spin this thing around. So, hey. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost curious the way things are just going, going bad for them. Um, cause I mean, Christian certainly had his issues, but, but Malcolm has as well. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I don't know as far as I can, as far as what I've been able to, to read and put together, I haven't heard anything 
blatantly blaming the bike or injury or anything like that. It just seems to have been a really, really, really tough start. And so, um, yeah, the I bike mean, both they're on is leading the points. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Like it's yeah. like the, the, the preseason who's flying at the test track. I heard multiple things about how fast Malcolm was going and, yep. and it's just, we just haven't seen it. And, and so I, I don't really know what's to say. I, I mean, I definitely think the guys are capable and, and I think they're in shape, but and whether it's the start, whether it's qualifying, they've got to, to break it up a little bit and, and get into a different spot so that they're able to, to even show what they've got. Because I feel like a lot of times they're, they've hit the deck or they've had something happen and it's like two or three laps into the race. They're, they're essentially rolling around the track and, and that's not how anybody wants to see those guys. And so, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a tough start to the, to the Husky rig on the 450 side of things. Yeah, no, it'll be a few weeks before either one of them is putting a serious dent into their current deficit of points just because, like, unless they plan on, like, just rattling off wins, um, they're going to be kind of stuck in that uh, 16 to 10, 11 points sort of realm. And that's that's maybe, like, that's gaining the guys ahead of them by, like, five, six points a weekend, which, like, a lot of those guys, like, right now, Jorge Prado, 10th in points, He's currently 36 points. That's three times the current points for Christian Craig. Like obviously Jorge Prado, he'll only be racing one more race uh, after this one being sent uh, Anaheim too. Um, But yeah, same thing with other guys along those same lines, like a Barsha. Like honestly, I think Barsha probably has stands a higher chance of actually distancing himself from those two uh, rather than kind of falling into their clutches. So they've got their work cut out for them, but like they said, that's just uh, some more storylines to follow along with. Um, so let's let's wrap up the power hour, man. Let's talk about uh, last. Let's just some fun stuff. Uh, let's go straight up to Lit Kit, and uh, I'm gonna take the lead on this one. It's uh, kind of off the like off the radar, but I loved what uh, Canvas did for both uh, MCR as well as they basically ran uh, rolled out the same look for uh, Justin Starling. Stardog was uh, was looking good with the. Uh, uh with his gear um yeah the the sort of like actually throwback to not the jersey i have over my my core my shoulder i was uh rocking a i had a mcgrath jersey behind me for the longest time but uh yeah i like that look i it was like 90s with the yellow pants that was not bad what'd you think yeah the the 1-800 call vince or the 1-800 starling oh, look. no one wants that I- phone number but. Yeah, I, uh, I I liked it. I thought it was cool. Like I said, I think it's it's really fun when uh, the gear companies get into it. And I think uh, Michael over there at Canvas has really got the expressive freedom to kind of go beyond what some of these other brands are able to do, where um, he gets he gets really intricate and detailed with with how he mimics some of these other gears. And I love it. I think it's cool. I, I, I had a lot of fun. The the first. One that I saw was actually Vince's. And so like the 1-800 call Vince, like I was like, oh, that is just, that's perfect. Like, and it was right next to a picture of, of McGrath wearing the gear. And so, um, no, I think it, I think it looked good. As far as my lit kit goes, um, since you said them, I'm not going to lie. I, and I've actually seen a lot of people hating on it. So I, I hope I don't just get eaten alive for this, but I liked what the Lawrences were wearing. I liked that kind of okay. throwback disc. Um, Alpine Stars gear. I thought it looked really good. I thought um, the way it fit together with the bike and what they were going for, I thought it looked really good while also they were able to still run their Red Bull helmets and stuff like that. And I felt like you had the theme going on while everything up here was still relatively untouched. And so um, I, I thought it looked cool. I'd be curious to see that set up on a different bike graphic. You know, because I do feel like the certain colors in it wouldn't look great with majority of your stock colors. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as for the thematic race, you know, I, I really liked it. No, fair enough. I, I did like what they did. Um, as far as marrying that with what Throttle Jockey did for Team Honda, they obviously went for like an Elsinore look. I would have, if I'm Alpine Star, I go, I, I go deep on that look. I go 70s. I go like. 70s Alpine Star logo, like the sort of like the swirl, like they had, they used to basically have like a, a target dead center. Uh, I would have went with maybe like, uh, like kind of look into like, cause they were kind of throwing it back to like Jimmy Ellis, uh, as well as a couple of the other guys that rode in the 70s. I might like attach, like I would have went black pants 
Like I would have like, cause like the black leather pants was like, so I would have went super, super clean that way. Uh, probably tried to pair that with a black boot perhaps, or even, even a white boot just to throw in some, uh, a more modern flair. And then it's on the Red Bull side of things. And like Red Bull, obviously the helmet is iconic. I would have loved to see them try to maybe like wrap, like almost like do a, like what a Red Bull helmet would have looked like 1970. Like rather than having like the glitter look, because like that wasn't really, I wouldn't say not possible because they had paint jobs that were pot, like had, had a sort of gold fleck in it in the sixties and seventies, but still like, I would have loved to see almost like a uh, a matte look with like the their numbers on the sides of the helmet, which at that time would have been AMA rule. I think that would have been neat. Um, as just far maybe like like if if I'm nitpicking or just throwing out some ideas of how to like sort of tie that together a little bit better, that's what maybe my approach would have been because you have like sort of a '90s gear with a '70s bike. Um, those don't like obviously they both look sick. Don't want to get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, if I was to sort of like, uh, throw my own two cents into that, but, uh, yeah, good call with the Alpine star stuff. They, those guys rarely, rarely miss. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, like I said, I, I get excited when the, the full factory teams and, um, all of the companies get on board. I mean, when you're, when you've got gear creators talking to graphic creators and, and we are kind of entering that era of gear ability whereas if you are somebody that's got frequent communication with people that are making your gear um i mean like especially on the consumer side whether it's it's canvas i mean um the the ability for real customization to your gear is there and uh, i I think it just it provides a whole nother opportunity as far as putting together a a quote-unquote kit like everybody thinks about the kit just being the gear but now you're able to really kind of tie together Oh man, I want to get my helmet wrapped and then I'm going to get my bike done this way. And then I'm going to get these color boots. And then, you know, so now you've got, if you've got the money to throw at it, you can, you can look absolutely badass every time you roll out on the track, even if you're slow. So oh, yeah. Especially if you're a guy like myself, a vet guy, you know, you're dialing up, uh, backyard designs and just like playing around with their tools on their website to make your bike look so, so sick hopefully you're doing the same zach um when when will people see you on a dirt bike when will they see you playing music and then uh this is your opportunity to tee up out ranch absolutely yeah so uh it's a little chilly here and well i i feel bad saying that when i'm talking to you but uh it is cold for mr southern american that doesn't like it below about 40 so uh, there's a small chance I might break out uh, uh, old Big Nasty this weekend. But uh, besides that, I don't really know. It'll probably be a month or so. We're going to get the uh, the North Carolina Motocross Series kicked off here at the start of February. And then GNCC kicking off right after that, uh, the third week of February. So um, hopefully I'll be able to hop on the bike at least once before the season starts. And then uh, playing music next Friday here in Charlotte. So i uh, got two different shows here in Charlotte. Uh, you guys can... Follow me on social media and see what I've got going on. I'm playing all over the Southeast and trying to line up some shows at some of these races too, baby. I'm going to be playing back at Loretta's, I believe, and uh, hopefully some of these GNCCs, maybe a couple of shred tubers as well. So uh, who knows, man? I'm uh, pretty much, I'm going to bring that six string with me and if somebody's interested, I'll start playing. But uh, besides that, yeah, no, absolutely. Out at the ranch, available Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, wherever you get your tunes at. But it's uh, written for racers from a racer. Uh, it's about being out at Loretta Lens, and if you haven't gotten the opportunity to yet, I'm telling you what, once you get out there, you'll uh, you'll understand what I'm talking about because there's no place quite like it. Just ask Brad. He had his first time last year. But uh, till then, man, another great episode. I'll uh, see you on the next one. And with that, this is Out at the Ranch by Zach Heron. From kids up to grown men Walk through the gates of the coal miner's daughter To make a point clearer than the creek water Who's the best, who's it gonna be In Hurricane Mills, Tennessee Can you feel the adrenaline Dirt flies hypnotized by the whisper Hear the crowd, everybody's whistling Line on the bell If you can put it
carts, pit bikes, and rowdy fans. Play the national anthem and everybody stands. Smell the smoke from the two strokes riding by. The 30-second cards on its side. Two. 